0: Hi, welcome to the latest edition of the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communications and Public Policy here at the Greater Philadelphia Chapter. And this week, we are getting close to our 60th episode of the podcast, which is exciting to me. Started this over a year ago, hoping that we could gain some traction and get a new way of awareness and letting people know about ALS and now we've have over 10,000 downloads of our podcast on iTunes and Podbean and Stitcher Radio, and so I encourage you to spread awareness of this podcast, share it on social media, let people know, and also email me if you have some ideas for guests or topics you'd like to see, well, here because it's a podcast, uh, in the next weeks and months to come. My email is Tony, T-O-N-Y, at ALSPhiladelphia.org, so please contact me anytime to for more discussion topics on here. Now... My goal is to continue this podcast running, and, and in addition to everything else I do here at The Chapter. And I was worried a couple of days ago, because I didn't have a guest for this week, and I talked to my good friend Jane Cawthorn, who has been involved in ALS advocacy for longer than pretty much anyone here at The Chapter, and she is on her way out of the country, so she's not able to do it today, and I was worried that my my guest wouldn't be here, but she had a really good person to take her place, her daughter, Jill, who is going to be here to talk about um, the advocacy that they do together, uh, the work that they've done and spreading awareness, and their own family story of ALS. And it's going to be a very interesting topic. Uh, I hope you'll listen into the whole thing because the Cawthorn family has been extensively involved, especially in raising awareness of ALS in Washington, D.C., which you can do this May, May 8th to 10th, with ALS Advocacy Days. Uh, You can go to ALSA.org and look for the Advocacy Days there, or you can email me, again, Tony at ALSPhiladelphia.org, to find out how to be an advocate and get involved just like the Cawthorn family. Now, with that in mind, that little introduction, which hopefully we get some music on here soon, uh, Jill, thanks for coming on here on short notice.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to step in for my mom.
0: Well, she recommends you highly, as she should. Uh, Yes. So, you know, a lot of people who are listening don't know much about uh, ALS. I mean, they don't know much about the Cawthorne family or or advocacy in general. So tell me your story. Um, It was your father that had ALS. Yes.
1: Yes. um, He was diagnosed with ALS when I was 8 years old. Um, He was an athlete. He'd done a lot of running. He was an avid hiker. Um and around the summer of 2001, he started getting symptoms of weakness in his legs. Um, he was falling a lot whenever he would be hiking. Um, so we had been attributing his symptoms to back problems. Um, and as most people in the ALS community know, it's, very, it's a very extensive process to get diagnosed with ALS. We had gotten a referral to the um, Hershey Clinic and eventually, after a few months, we got the diagnosis, and I think that was in November of
0: 2000, 2001, and by August of 2002, he had passed away. Wow, that's, a, that's and very quick. Very, and, yeah, it was very quick, yeah. And of course, things have improved a bit, our understanding of ALS and our um, ability to diagnose, but I, from being here for five years, I know that... There's still a lot of stories of people who get diagnosed late in the process, and it's a very quick disease, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so before that, I now, mean, how old were you in two thousand one? I was nine. You were nine, so you mm-hmm. you didn't know anything about any of this, and uh, obviously, um, mm-hmm. and what, what? How did that? How did you guys face it as a family? Because. I know your mom, Jane, and she's written about how close the family was, and you guys went on a lot of trips together, Um, you did a lot of things uh, every day, Uh, so do you remember what you guys did to face that as a family? Yeah, Um, so as you said, I wasn't
1: really familiar with the disease, I mean, I didn't even know that he was going to pass away until very late in the disease, Um, and it really brought us all together as a family. Um, my sister, she was 21 at the time, and she had moved back home to help my mom take care of him. Um, my brothers helped out with getting like, the physical things, like helping him shower, transitioning from chair to chair. Um, and my job was to help with his medications. I had remembered his medication schedule, and I gave him his pills. Um, and I also was famous for helping him scratch his back. Um, he had this wooden back scratcher, and he would bang on the side of the bed whenever he needed his back scratched. So that was my role, and we all kind of had our own roles in helping him out. And he was never alone. Um, it was really something that brought us together um, in his final months of his life. He had been a workaholic, and that was probably the most
0: that he had ever been home in his life. So he'd been a workaholic, and what did he do?
1: Um, So I think that kind of really affected his mindset. Um, There are so many people in the ALS community who are very positive and very strong, uh, but my dad was pretty pessimistic, and I think that's kind of why
0: it progressed as quickly as it did, unfortunately. Yeah, we were talking today about different people we know um, who've had a number of diseases, and sometimes being in healthcare, you know too much when it comes to a disease like ALS. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you obviously just reference the fact that, you know, comparing to other people with ALS, and you've met a lot of people with ALS since then. Did, did you know anyone else during that time? I, mean, I know you were young. No, I didn't know
1: anyone at all. Um, I kind
0: of went through it alone, which was very sad, but I did have my family with me, so that was helpful. And so you kept working with your family, your mom... Is one of the best advocates in the country, probably in terms of longevity. Um, even though she probably wouldn't take the credit for it. Um, yeah. So, how quickly did you guys start getting involved in, you know, advocacy, especially? We started
1: out by going to the Kurtz pitch parties. Mm-hmm. This was like way back, like over ten years ago. Um, I believe we started in 2005 with Kurt Schilling and his his efforts to raise money for ALS. Um, Our first time going to the advocacy conference was 2006. Um, So this will be our 10th year being involved at the Advocacy
0: Days. Oh, we'll have to have a party for you in D.C. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, But my mom was definitely the one that
1: initiated all of our advocacy efforts all of the events, she encouraged us to come, and I'm fortunate enough that she convinced me to get involved early enough um, so that I could have met everyone
0: and learned a bit more about how to advocate for scientific research and patient care. And your mom is very politically minded in general, obviously. She She, she, you know, I guess it's one way of putting it, but uh, so was that something that you guys were involved in generally, just... I mean, in terms of politics, like different parties or elections, but just, um, you know, keep being civic-minded and, and knowing the value of getting involved in, in government and things like that. Not
1: really, until we started getting involved with ALS. Um, I mean, that's kind of been our family's big thing um, for the last decade
0: or so. And you, so, yeah, that's actually good, in a way. You know, we like the fact that people... Took on a new thing, so it was a new challenge for all of you to go to DC and make your voice heard. Uh huh. And the ALS Association makes
1: it accessible to go to Capitol Hill and meet with your congressmen, and they make it easy and they help you
0: get more involved, which is really awesome. So, two thousand six was the first year you went, and you that was almost five. That was five years before I started going. Mm-hmm. Uh um, what did you learn, like, at the first time, because the issues weren't the same then. Um, the ALS registry passed after that and started getting involved, and other things happened in the, in the years since you started, which means there's been some success. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was that first advocacy day like? Personally, it was pretty difficult. Um,
1: I mean, I was, gosh, I must have been 13 or 14 years old. Um, I really didn't understand a lot
0: of the, I still don't understand a lot of the political jargon, Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but it's definitely really emotional to meet all these people all across the country who experience the things that my family experienced, Um, but it's also comforting too in a way. I think that probably one of the biggest things that has changed since our first year doing it is just the general awareness. Um, ALS is a rare disease, so back in 2006, not a lot of people knew about what it was, but most notably, the um, Ice Bucket Challenge uh, two summers ago really brought about a lot of awareness and um, just kind of
0: people informed of what ALS is and its connection to other neurological diseases. Yeah, You know, I've found we've seen a lot of people who are new to Congress who've never met us before, and they nice people, but don't know about ALS, and then other people, Mm -hmm. like your congressman, uh, Glenn Thompson up there, way up there, and um, as Joan here would say, Jabitsville, which I don't understand, um, you know, they live in a place where There's not a lot of cities. Your congressman knows about ALS because you've done a lot of work. Yeah. Um, So, but did you find through that that you don't have to be an expert in research and everything to do this? Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, The way that the advocacy works is that they pair to the families up with people who are researchers, doctors, um, public policy experts. They don't make you go into the meetings alone. Um, So the main goal for meeting with your congressman is that the family tells their story to appeal to the congressman or the congressman aide's emotional side and then they'll have the more experts there to explain like our mission for um, passing bills and laws um, and explaining the mechanisms of the disease so we don't have to. And often the most compelling part of the meetings is
0: hearing the family stories. And that's compelling to you, because you've been doing this for 10 years now, so you've heard a lot of stories, and I'm sure, you know, you've probably learned more from those stories than you have from the research presentations. Yeah, absolutely. And so what do you, you've seen the faces and reactions from politicians, um, congressmen, senators, and their aides, Um, have you seen some really great effect of them hearing those stories and and them being moved to act? I definitely have.
1: Um, I actually have made um, some congressmen cry um, telling my story. The story that I usually tell to new people um, is one morning whenever my mom and dad were going to bring me to school and then my mom was going to drop my dad off at work. Um, And I was leading in the car and my dad fell on the sidewalk um, and I watched from the car as my mom tried to pull him using the walker. Um, and that was something that no 9-year-old should see. Um, So that's definitely a really good story that I like to tell people to truly show how much it can affect the
0: families of patients. And I know from going to D.C., we don't have a lot of people who are able to talk about ALS from a young person's perspective. And Mm -hmm. you know, while I wish that you didn't have to go through with that, you can talk about ALS in a way that, Others can't, which gives you a lot of power. Right. And so you've been doing this for a while. Do you feel, you know, powerful knowing that you're able to enact change by using your story? I definitely do, yeah. It's, it's
1: something that I feel really passionate about. It's something that I've enjoyed doing. And it's something that my mom and I do together. And it's a really special thing that we
0: share. Right. And so you guys go a lot. And um, your mom always wants to do more than we ask her to do, which is tough. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but so, tell us about a day at the. Um, tell us about what it goes on when you go to Advocacy Day because, I can explain it from what I know and I will, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, you go down a day or two before the meetings on the Hill, and you learn things. You meet people. What What do you, What is your experience like going to the whole conference? It's fun. Now, um, we usually
1: will check into the hotel. Um, and they do like a, um, a roll call is what they call it, I believe, where they a person from each chapter um, stands and they talk about the things that their chapter has accomplished since the last advocacy conference, um, which is always really interesting to see the kinds of fundraisers that people come up with. Um, and then they'll do a dinner where you get to meet people from your chapter um, and see people that you've met before and kind of reunite. Um, The second day, they typically have breakout sessions. Um, They usually have one about the scientific breakthroughs that have happened in the past year. Um, They'll address new fundraisers, um, new patient care opportunities. Um, And then I think on that second day, they also do the preparation for the Hill, which is kind of like a um, public policy 101. Um, They give you the basics, information, um, they teach you about a typical meeting on Capitol Hill, and then on the third day, you're transported to the Hill, and you go and do your
0: advocacy. So the one thing you said to begin with is you get to see the people from the chapter, since you guys live way up in the middle of Pennsylvania... Um, you don't get to see a lot of our folks a lot so what's that like for you coming to see the chapters that you know and and reconnecting with people? It's very nice to see people
1: um, but also it's, it's kind of sad too um, if we don't get to see somebody more than once a year um, especially with ALS patients um, it can be difficult to see how their disease has gone on and how it's progressed so Someone who was up and walking with just a cane last year may be wheelchair-bound, or they may have a ventilator
0: this year. And so it's hard to see that, for sure. It's hard for me, too. I think it's hard for all of us here. And I know from going to Advocacy Day, it's rewarding to me to see that everyone, all the chapters, the staff from the National ALS Association and more, um, all have the same emotions of seeing families Mm -hmm. and... uh, you. Know, it seems like if, you know, if I see someone from the New York chapter, which is great, or Western PA, or from, you know, across the country, you know, I feel a connection to them, even if I don't know them very well. Yeah, and the part about
1: ALS is since it's a rare disease, it's very hard for people to find people who can empathize with you. But going to advocacy days, like everybody there understands, and I think that's the best part about it. Even though our experiences may be. We all experience the same
0: emotions, and it's kind of like a group therapy type thing. It's very, it's very comforting. And it's also, like you said, with those emotions, it's a way for us to validate those things because everyone's kind of afraid of how they feel sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. is it? It can feel bad about being sad about something, or angry, or, or even happy about something. And there's others there that can kind of uh, make you know that there's a whole country behind you. And, and hopefully that was um, rewarding and make you feel part of the community when you were young, too, when you were only, like, 10 years old or 13 years yeah. old. So It definitely is rewarding. Good. Um, and so you've been doing this for a while, and you learn about what you do on the Hill. And do you find that that information that the ALS Association gives, that helps put people at ease to go and talk to members of Congress? Yes, I do, yeah. Definitely. And I know here at the Greater Philadelphia chapter, I try and pair people like you guys, who are experts and, and veterans of this, with someone who might be new to advocacy, so you can kind of help train the next grant. Mhm. And so, are you? Do yeah. you, Do you guys spend some time helping new people out? We do, yeah. Um, but people are very quick learners. Um,
1: they are not afraid to share their story. And I think that it's really nice that we're put in groups like that so we can inspire each other
0: and sort of be able to support each other in those meetings. And like you said, a lot of things have changed over the years. The Ice Bucket Challenge happened in 2014. So members of Congress know about ALS better. Um, they've also passed a lot of laws. So do you think that the conversations have gotten easier in your 10 years? Yeah, I do. Um
1: I mean, as the years have gone on, usually every time we meet with a congressman or a congressman's aide, they'll say, oh, I mean, like, I knew someone with ALS, but like, I, they're very distantly related to me. Um, but now, people can relate it to the Ice Bucket Challenge, and so they may be able, like, they may be more familiar with the disease, and we don't have to explain as much to them.
0: Well, that's good, because you said you're not an expert on that. Yeah. Um, But you have heard a lot of expert uh, talks at Advocacy Day about what's going on with um, with clinical trials or learning about new genes. Um, Do you understand more after going and hearing so much over the years? I do, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not a
1: scientist. Um, I'm more interested in the patient service side of things. But I do appreciate all of the um, scientific presentations that they give. And they do try to put it into layman's terms so everybody can understand.
0: And so because you've gone a while while doing this, maybe you can help explain some of those things to certain people. Not everything, but I'm sure if someone just learned about the ALS registry for the first time, Mm -hmm. you can help that new advocate understand what they need to talk about there. Yeah. So, you're going again this year. What are you looking forward to at this year's Advocacy Day? I am actually, unfortunately, not going this year. Um, Oh, what the heck? This is the first year that I've missed, and actually, we missed
1: 2009. Um, I'm working full-time right now, and I don't have the time to take off. Um, But my mom will be there. Um, I think that looking forward to going. Um, I mean, we have friends there that we see every year. It will be hard. Um, We did lose a close friend of ours from the Western PA chapter. Um, So it'll be really difficult for her to kind of adjust to not seeing him this year. Um, But I mean, it's always something that she looks forward to. She likes going and seeing everybody and learning about how
0: she can better her advocacy skills. Well, I know your mom will be a good help to everybody, um, and (laughs) she's obviously very good at explaining things to people. Um, Have you learned a lot about your mom through doing this? Because, you know, I see a lot of families that become closer through doing advocacy. Mm hmm Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, I always knew that she had a
1: big mouth. But, um... I mean, she is very she's very good at advocacy. She knows what she's talking about. She knows all the important um, pieces to bring up. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot. And more importantly, we have gotten closer.
0: And so you guys, you, you see how good your mom is. Your mom is good at this because she, she and you are willing to tell your story. And your story, I think, does a, makes a bigger impact than the information about how many proteins we found or the cost of something. Mm-hmm. You find that the stories are the, really what makes the biggest impact on people, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I think everyone goes into these meetings thinking, I don't know much about the ALS research project at the Department of Defense. I don't know, you know when they made this change in Social Security. It can be nerve-wracking, but everyone's an mm-hmm. expert in their own life, so all you have to do is talk about yourself. Right, yeah, and it gets them to think about,
1: oh gosh, like, I can't even imagine if I had to see my sister go through this, or my mother, like, it makes it really relatable
0: for them, and I think that's what brings about the greatest change. Right, and and, and the members of Congress and their staff, and their staff are often your age, so you can identify with people who are working in Capitol Hill. Right, yeah. And you've taken a lot of this back back home. I know you've worked with your local congressman and other meetings beyond just in D.C., right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's been rewarding to you, making sure that like now they know who you are. They know the Cawthorns are coming. Yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> They'll clear their schedules for us. Well, I I would look forward to that too. So, um, so it's been 15 years since your father passed away. Um, we don't want to wait another 15 years for a cure. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously, we want it tomorrow. But what kinds of things would you like to see achieved through advocacy, um, whether it's you know, more money for the ALS registry or, or other kinds of research? Are there any other things that you would like us to take to D.C. this year? Um, well, as I said, I'm very into the patient services side of things. Um,
1: And so I think that it's important to do everything we can to make everyday life for people with ALS easy. Uh, The speech generating devices um, and paying for all the costs of ALS, like getting a van to transport someone in a wheelchair and chairless and stuff like that. Um, So that's something that's really important to me is
0: making everyday life easier. And for the families as well. Yeah. and. Last year, we were going around talking about the Steve Gleason Act and making changes to um, Medicare and Medicaid so that people could get their speech-generating devices. And as a result of what you guys did, they changed the rules. Yep, exactly. So thats it's always good when you can actually win. hmm absolutely. And the speech-generating
1: devices are so important. I mean, with ALS, you, you lose your voice can communicate, so being able to have those computers that can help you communicate what you need, I mean, even if it's just like, I need a drink of water, or I have to go to the bathroom, not being able to communicate is just so cruel, and so I think that's that's what's really important, is to make sure that they're able to speak to their loved
0: ones and say, I love you, and, and that type of thing. Well, if there's anything that politicians can understand, it's the need to communicate, that's for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, for those listening, um, if you don't understand a lot of what goes on with assistive technology, there is a new campaign going on with the ALS Association and Prize for Life to uh, to challenge people to develop new assistive technology programs and, and devices. And we have a video that came from the ALS Association with a, with a few of our local ALS families from the Philadelphia area. Uh, you can find that on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll send out an email later. But I'll definitely uh, send it to you, Jill, because it's one of the best videos I've seen from the ALS Association. Um, okay. I mean, I'm a little bit biased because it's how I know the people in it. But uh-huh. um, but one of the people in it is a young girl um, whose father is ALS, and they ask her about how they like her dad having it. And I'm sure that you would appreciate your dad being able to communicate better while he was around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's going to be a lot of communicating happening um, this May 8th to 10th uh, in Washington, D.C. And for all of you listening, you can go and and be an advocate like Jill and her mom, Jane. Um, And we really could use your help, especially if you live in our area, New Jersey and Delaware. We always have one of the biggest delegations, right? Yep, yep, we usually do. (laughs) And, you know, last year people signed up early, and this year we need people to sign up as soon as they can, uh... So you can be part of the best delegation. Sorry, every other chapter. We like you too, but um, I'm, again, biased. So you can email me, tony, at alsphiladelphia.org. Um, you can go to www.alsa.org slash advocacy, and you can sign up for Advocacy Days. Um, but And you can also come to Harrisburg. Have you ever done Harrisburg, Jill? I haven't. I know your mom's come to Harrisburg with us, and you can come yeah. you can come to Harrisburg and talk about um, funding patient care there. Mm-hmm. So, um, are there any last things you would like people to make sure that they know to encourage them to come to Advocacy Day? Um. Well, I do know that um, it can be
1: very hard to travel if you have a loved one who has ALS. Um, But I would like to bring up and put a little plug in. Um, If you can't make it to Advocacy Days and you want to make a difference in the lives of patients, um, our family does have a named fund through the Philadelphia chapter. It's called the Dad Fund. um, And it helps families with ALS defray the costs of education. We have helped uh, families pay for textbooks, computers, and things like dorm room supplies. so that is
0: definitely something that you can do um, to make a big impact. Well, we appreciate the dad fund. We walk by our name funds every day when we walk into the office. And um, when this podcast goes up on Facebook this week, I'll definitely share a link to the dad fund as well because that's it's important. It's, it's really neat that it wasn't called your dad's name. You want people to remember that he was a dad first and foremost. This mm-hmm. is, Yep, and he was very... Very interested in our education, and so that's kind of inspiration for starting that was to help families who have a loved one with ALS be able to pay for educational supplies. Um, for everyone listening, you know that one, education is Im- important and expensive, um, but two, just like the Cawthorns, ALS doesn't affect one person, it affects an entire family. And you know, the, the dad fund, the name fund program, um, it's been making a difference for a while now and will continue to help people. Uh, living with ALS, and, and young people who are, you know, living with the impacts of it. Yep, that's right. So, Jill, thanks for coming to share your story with us. Again, we encourage everyone to be like the Cawthorns, at least a little bit like them, and uh, sign up for ALS Advocacy Days in Washington, D.C. We make a big difference, uh, and the Cawthorns know from going there for 10 years that um, we haven't won in terms of defeating ALS, but we've had many victories along the way, and you can be a part of victories this year. Again, that's go to ALSA.org advocacy or email me, Tony at ALSPhiladelphia.org to learn more. Thanks a lot, Jill, for taking time today.